Amen. Be seated and, and just say hi to people. How many of you guys are glad to be outside? How many of you guys wish that we, we had like a huge shade covering? Okay, the offering bag will be passed around in just a little while. If, if it's really great today, we'll build one. So happy 4th of July and uh, happy, if this is the camera, happy Grand Blank House Campus Monday, which is, you know, tomorrow. Um, and and just, just good to see live stream, good to see people here and being a part of this. Today, I'm going to be brief. How many guys know that, that there's freedoms, but there's also miracles? We enjoy the freedoms. We, we pray for the miracles. I was told I had 15 minutes. How many guys believe I can preach an awesome 15-minute sermon? How many believe I can preach two today? Okay, good. That's what we're shooting for. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Get a hold of this one. 5, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You know this. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior... He is a new creature. Say it with me. He is a, I love that, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral, spiritual condition, they have all passed away. Behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Say it with me. Because spiritual awakening brings a, say it again. Because spiritual awakening brings a, a new life. Today we're going to be baptizing people in water. And they're going to have an experience. I, I love that people get to have an experience with Christ. I love that it's not doctrine and tenets and steeples. I love that it's flesh and blood and spirit and soul. And today people will be ex experiencing a lot of things. First thing they're experiencing is a, is a physical experience. Say it with me, physical. They're experiencing a physical. And I promise you that everyone who goes in that tank is going to have a, a physical experience. We, it's hose water, man. I guarantee you. That those who get into that tank today will come out refreshed, invigorated in a physical way. Because, because it's, it's, God says, I don't want this to be just a conversation we have or just a, a card we sign. I want you to have a physical experience. I want you to experience what it means to be baptized. I want you to have something on the outside. I want your brain to remember the refreshing, the, the, the chilling, the public, whatever it is, right? The second thing you're going to have is a, a spiritual. Everybody say spiritual. There's a spiritual experience. When we obey God, there's a spiritual experience. Say, so, I don't know. I, I obeyed God, and I, I thought the angels would sing, and the heavens would open, and I'd have visions. You know what? How many just know that obedience itself is a spiritual experience? Because we wouldn't obey without the Holy Spirit giving us the will and the desire and the strength to obey. How many of you guys love to obey God when it's easy? But you recognize the supernatural part of it, right? Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Treat each other better than yourself. We go, none of that comes natural. That's going to have to come supernatural. That's going to have to come by some way that God gives us this ability to have this experience. You'll experience God's blessing and an act of obedience. I also know this, that the Bible talks about spiritual chains being broken off in water. It talks about in the days of Noah. This is found in uh, 1 Peter, I believe. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. talks about how God cleansed the earth through water. And it talks about how those who survived that flood, they were baptized into Noah. And what that means really is this. There was a world that existed prior to the deluge. And after the deluge, there was a brand new world. Somebody say brand new world. It's brand new. It wasn't the same. It had been washed. It had been changed. It had been scourged. It had been cleansed. It had been scoured. It didn't look the same. It didn't feel the same. It didn't have the same problems. When they came out of that ark, when they came out through the waters on the other side, there was a brand new world. So it's the same thing in the days of Moses. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2, Paul makes this explanation. He goes, listen, people were baptized into Moses in the Red Sea. Well, think about that. How many of you guys know the Charlton Heston, you know, from my cold, dead hands? He has a staff in his hands, right? And what is he saying is this. As he goes down into the waters, Egypt 
follows him. All the chariots, all the horsemen, all of Pharaoh's muscle follows him into that water, but they come out on the other side and everything that chased him into that water died in the water that day. How many of you guys know people that go into that tank, they're going to have a physical experience and they're going to have a spiritual experience because God is not doing something normal. He's not in the routines and patterns of men. He's a powerful God. And when we obey him, we'll have experiences only he can give us. But the last thing I want to talk about today is this. We're going to have our souls are going to have an experience. Those who are being baptized today. are going to have an experience in your soul. And I want to say this because we've been studying the brain now for the last several weeks. We're talking about, you know, the, the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex and talking about how this all comes out. We can stand outside of ourselves and have a, an opinion about our own lives and make decisions. We've been having Thursday night discussions at 6.30. We have dinner at 7 o'clock. We talk for an hour with people at the table, and it's awesome. How many guys are glad to see young men taking a stand for America? There they are. Well, it's a tripod, but it's a stand nonetheless. There they are. And I, I remember, I'm sorry, how many of you guys know I don't suffer from ADD? I actually enjoy it. You guys suffer from my ADD. I actually think it's fun. So, but we're, we're going to learn about something today called cognitive dissonance. Like when, when, when God says, this is what I have for you, and our brains go, that's too good to be true. And when God says, trust me when I say this, we go, I, I'm trying to trust you. I just, I just don't know how. It looks like this. There was a man in Mark chapter 9 that had a son. How many of us know we don't love anybody more than our kids? I mean, we love our wives. We love our husbands. We love our grandkids. But there's something special about our children. God gave us this beautiful rush of dopamine, this beautiful rush of serotonin when they're born, and we hold them in our arms. Literally, our physiology changes. You suffer brain damage when you become a parent. Can I go to get an amen? Right? Your brain changes, and you're bonded then. The first thing I ever said to my son was, I'd die for you. What a weird thing to say to a kid, but that's, that's what happened when all those chemicals, my brain physiology changed, the proteins changed, the neural paths changed, and I had this commitment to somebody I'd only met a few minutes ago that's lasted to this day, although he's tried it many times. It lasts to this day, right? But this guy has a kid, and he's plagued by a demon. Every time there's this vulnerable moment, every time there's this, he walks by fire or water, this thing conv- takes possession of him and he falls over into the fire. He falls over into the water and begins to drown. His family's whole life was built around getting someone that they love not to kill themselves accidentally. It was terrible. They went to the doctors, I'm sure, and the doctors said, I don't know what to do. It's, you know, we, we did the eye of newt and the potion and the lotion and nothing happened. They, they took him to the, the priests of the Pharisees and said, can you fix him? And they prayed a pharisaical prayer. God healed this person. He's probably being punished for something or maybe his parents sinned and he deserves this. But in your mercy, if you could release this sinner, that didn't work, right? Never has, never will. And then here comes Jesus. And this is what happens. Look at this. He comes to Jesus and, and first he makes it to the 12 disciples. He's like, can you help me? Can you fix my son? Can you? And they prayed. And they prayed just like Jesus taught them to, and nothing happened. And, and they prayed a little bit harder. How many of you guys know when your first prayer doesn't work, just pray louder? They prayed louder. They prayed longer. They prayed King james to make it more spiritual right? And nothing happened. And Jesus walks up, and the guy goes, hey. And this is what he says to him. He says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And I love what Jesus says. He goes, if you can, if you can. Everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, here's his words, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You ever been there? I do believe. Sorta. I do believe it's true. I just, I just don't know how to make it work. I do believe. I just, everything I've tried so far, every prayer I've prayed, every scripture I've memorized, every counselor I've gone to, every doctor. Like, I do believe that God is able. I just, I just know how to get his abilities into my situation. Everybody ever been there? Raise your hand. Like, you've been there, right? 
Everybody has. So why was there a disconnect between what he believed and like what he believed? His expectation was different than his doctrine. Why is it he couldn't believe the way Jesus was asking him to believe? And it's because of this. His brain said, now believe me, trust me. And somewhere in his head, he said, you know what? I, I don't know how to do that. Maybe it was something like this. Maybe it started this way. And this is fairly common for everybody. Maybe I'm not good enough to get what God says is mine. Maybe I don't deserve it. Because I know if God's an all-knowing God, all-seeing God, all-powerful God, he knows what I said yesterday. He knows what I did a week ago. He knows my life before it changed, but I, I've never been able to deal with where I've been and what I've done. If people don't get breakthrough, they always look for people to blame. You ever notice that? Sure you have. If people don't get breakthrough, they look for someone else to blame for what they're going through. And understand this, if it still doesn't work, then they look at themselves finally and say, well, maybe it's my fault. How many of you guys know by the time we get to maybe it's my fault, we're getting close. And so he's in this place where he's saying, maybe it's my fault. When I'm a better person, you know, when, when, we, when, when I've done more, when I'm closer, when I've prayed more prayers and given more offerings and been more animal sacrifice at the temple, maybe if I get closer to God, he'll draw closer to me. But what we don't understand is this, God doesn't give us what we deserve. God gives us what he deserves. And so this cognitive dissonance, that doesn't make sense. Because it, how could God, who is so good, give me someone who's so bad what I desperately need? Maybe I'm not getting what I need. Maybe I'm not getting what I want because, like, God sees who I am. Maybe I'm actually being punished. You guys know that, that in our brains, we only allow ourselves the things that we believe we deserve. When someone comes to you and says, I love you, you're like, oh, man, if you knew me, you wouldn't. What are we doing? We're, we're saying, I can only receive the love I believe I deserve. If someone walked up to you and said, man, you know what? I, I want to just, uh, I, I want to take my house, and I see you as a young family, and you need a place to stay, and God will take care of me. And I, God told me to give you my home. Here's my house. You'd be like, oh, it's too much. I, I can't do it. I don't deserve that, right? So what do we do with God who says, I love you so much, I gave my son to die for you? It's, it's more than a, a dollar bill. It's more than a house. It's more than a kindness. It's, it's everything. I love you so much I gave my son to die for you. We say we can't. You have to understand this. Guys, please hear me. The love of God is not like the love of men. The love of God is not like the love of, of, that we have for one another. It's not, it's not the best daddy in the world's love. It's not the best mama, the best grandma in the world. It's not cornbread and muffins and pancakes. For, it's, the, the love of God is not a feeling he has. It's a decision he's made. When God says through Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is patient, he's saying, I'm patient. And Paul says, love is kind. Paul is saying, God is kind. When he says it, he doesn't keep records of wrongs, he's not trying to build a case against you. Love is trying to be merciful towards us. When we realize that God loves us, something happens in us. And I have my own definition of love. It's just simply this. Love is the costly, committed, consistent choice to interact with someone for their highest good regardless of reciprocation. Whether you love God back or not, God still loves you. It's a decision he's made. You have a category. You have a value. You, you have a relationship. It's who he is that makes you who you are. And can I just say this to you? If you're worried about maybe you've lost the love of God, maybe you've gone too far, done too much. How many of you know if you didn't earn it to begin with, you can't lose it because of what you've done. It's greater than us. We are not what we've done. We are what he's done for us. Or maybe the boy's father wasn't dealing with him not being good enough. Maybe the boy's father was dealing with something that maybe God isn't good enough. I, I think if we be honest, there's been moments in our lives where we said, if God is good, if God is love, then why is my 15-year-old kid throwing himself in the fire and nobody can help me? If God is good and God is love, why well, have been wrestling with it? I, I haven't had a good night's sleep in 15 years. And every day for 15 years, thousands and thousands and thousands of times, I said, God, help me. 
God has never helped me. Maybe what keeps us from trusting God, that cognitive dissonance where our brain goes, is this true? And part of us goes, I have nothing to compare it to. I have, I have no experience with it. Sometimes in our brain it goes, it's not true. Why? Because I've prayed a thousand times and God has never said yes once to this prayer. And it's, it's the prayer of my life. And God hasn't said yes. You can ask questions like, well, where was God when? Why did God allow? My life doesn't feel like I'm being loved by God. My life feels like I'm being punished by God. And I don't even know what I did. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you guys have been there before? And so these things stop us. These things keep us from, from trusting that God is good and that God does what he says and God is who he says he is and there's promises. And so this man is sitting here on the verge of a miracle and I don't know what he's wrestling with, but I know it was only a few more moments before he, the prayers, all those thousands of prayers were soon to be answered. Jesus heals this young boy. The, the, the demon sees him, throws him on the ground. Jesus says, it's, your time's done and never come back again. The demon goes away and never comes back again. The kid stands up. And how many of you guys know in that moment, your brain goes, oh, I should have trusted the whole time. Anybody ever been there? Like, where is God? And how come God didn't? And all of a sudden, God does it. You're like, okay, I'm an idiot. I'm not smart. I'm not good looking. I don't deserve, right? What is that? Listen, God is not yo-yoing with us, but he's fixing us and he's finding us and he's building us in this thing called faith. Beyond the, moment, the moments in our stories that don't add up, something called uh, continuity of narrative. Our brain needs to see these hard moments, these disconnected moments, these I'm not good enough moments or God's not good enough moments. And if we can place them in an entire story, and that's what we're here to talk about today. If you can take not just your tests, but if you can take all those tests to make it your testimony, I mean, know God can redeem everything. And our sins are forgotten, but our story belongs to our creator. In this occasion, in this moment, way off in the field. How many of you guys know that you got shade, but you got some cheap seats back there? I'm sorry. You guys got ripped off over there. And our neighbors, if you're listening today, or live stream if you're watching today, or you're watching it tomorrow night at the Grand Blank House Campus. What's up, Pastor Jim? You know what I mean? And, and if you have this, but hear me. What, how does this all work? How can our brain stop fighting with the God who says, I love you? How can our brain stop fighting with a God who says, I'm more than enough, and yet our brain's saying, but he hasn't been so far, so how can I trust him now? This is what happens. It's called continuity of narrative. When, when our brains realize our life is not moments, it's not ingredients in a recipe, it's the whole thing. We have to take the whole thing and give it to God. And if we can take the whole thing, what well, we understand and what we don't understand, the stuff that's good and the stuff that's bad. If he can take us for who we are, we can take him for who he is, how many of us know our world's about to change? And so when we baptize people today, you got to remember this. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 in the Amplified Version says this. It says, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about all of us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. How many of you guys want something that Paul calls the peace that passes understanding? Okay. In order to have the peace that passes understanding, at some point, we have to relinquish our right to have to understand before we have peace. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my friend Susan for three months. She's been dealing with the repercussions of COVID. I can't imagine the prayer she's prayed. I'm, I'm looking at Amber Donikowski for almost three years now, wrestling with cancer. She's been trying to kill her every moment of every day for three years. I can't imagine the prayers that have been prayed. And, and there's hundreds of people right here, and I don't know what you're going through. But I know this, hear me. If we say this part of my story doesn't make sense and we disconnect from trusting God, we need a peace that can pass understanding because sometimes our life doesn't make any sense at all. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't believe you're good enough for God to love you, you got to let that make sense without, without having to understand. 
And if you feel like God doesn't care about you because of what you're going through, you have to relinquish the right to understand everything he's doing because God is doing something. We have testimonies. I just want to say this in closing today. I just want to say this in closing. I, I had a life-changing conversation right on the other side of that wall about three months ago. I was talking to a young lady who for years, her and her husband have been trying to have a baby and unsuccessfully, you know. I, there's certain things that, you know, just weigh on you. I, if you're already a parent, but you don't have a child, if you're already a mother, already a father, but you can't have a child, there's something that, that makes you come back to God and say, why? Amen. I, I need a breakthrough. I, you put in me a heart to love a child, and yet you won't give me a child. I don't understand. And as she was having a conversation with her father, who's wrestling with his own measure of faith, he said, how can you even believe there is a God? She's like, what do you, what do you mean, Dad? She said, well, because you, you're always at the church. You're always serving. You, you worship. You never miss. Your husband's on staff. You're, I mean, if anybody should be blessed by this God, it should be you. How can you still believe in him when he hasn't done what the cry of your heart has asked him for for so long? And this is what she said. I'll never forget it. And, I, and it's been, it's been a, an anchor for my soul many times, and maybe it'll help you too. She said to her father these words. She said, Dad, faith is not what I use to get what I want from God. Faith is what I insert into the, the blank spaces when I don't get what I want from God. I just decided to trust him no matter what. I just decided he's good no matter what. I just decided that my life is best in his hands no matter what. And on December 1st, 2020, that young lady who said that in faith, not pregnant, is going to have her first child. <laughs> we love the testimony. I mean, I just know we hate the test. Please hear me. Whatever you're going through today, your brain's going to wrestle with a God that you can't see and uh, uh, that seems untrustworthy or just feels like it might be a million miles away. Or you're going to wrestle with, I'm not good enough for a miracle. I'm not good to be loved. I'm, I don't deserve to get in that tank. I don't deserve a new life. When I get in shape, then I'll go to the gym. When I'm good and religious, when I'm good and moral, then I'll ask God for a miracle. It doesn't work that way. You have to trust that he's good enough for both of you and you have to trust that he knows what you're going through and you have to trust and he, he has given us so much to believe. And so today, we're going to be baptizing people, and that's going to be a physical experience, I guarantee you. It's going to be a spiritual experience. The Bible guarantees you, but it needs to be an experience that, that's it's anchored someplace deep in us. I'm not getting baptized because I understand everything or understand all that God is. I'm getting baptized because the one that I trust, Jesus Christ, told me to follow him in baptism. If he was baptized and I'm following him, I'm going through the same water he's going through. There's a lot of things that happened in Jesus' life he didn't understand too, by the way. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? One of his final prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's not an easy moment in his life. He decided against the evidence of the contrary to trust his father. And we decided as his followers to do the same. Today, we've got 27 people that have said, I want to be baptized. But I, I just believe it's not just 27 people. I think there's people that are here today that you weren't planning on getting baptized, but, but the Word of God has motivated you. The Spirit of God has motivated you. Um, uh, overheating has motivated you. And right now, that tank's looking pretty darn good. I'm going to ask those who've said, I want to be baptized, you can just get your towel together. Don't come up quite yet. In just a moment, we will. But just before we do, I wonder, is there anybody here today? And let's do this. Because we have the freedoms to not be ashamed and not be afraid. Heads are not bowed. Eyes are not closed. But today, you know what I realized? I've been kind of, for whatever reason, I, I've been needing to understand before I can have peace. And I realize there's a peace that passes understanding. I just need to trust him. 
Maybe you're here today, you're like, you know, I've been waiting to get better so I can ask God for the things that I, I, I know they're in the word for me. I, I feel, but I, I'm just, I'm so unqualified. I just, I'm not ready. I just, I'm not there yet. I, when I get there, I'll ask him for what he tells me to ask him for now. But I, until I get right with God, I can't get right with God. All over this field right now, because America, we can keep our eyes open. We don't have to bow our heads. Today, you're like, you know what, Jim? I, I need to change my mind. You know what the word repentance means? Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know what the word repent means? means to change your mind. I thought God was this, but today I think he's something more. I thought I was this, but now I believe that I am what God says I am, who God says I am. Here today, you're like, you know what? I need to change my mind about a couple things. I need to change my mind. People that love you have been praying for you, waiting for a moment just like this where you would say, you know what? I believe that Jesus paid all of my debts for me. I believe he's that good. I believe that by putting my trust, my faith in him, He's going to give me a clean slate, a fresh start, that new beginning we talked about in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I believe that in that water, there's stuff that will go in that water that will never be allowed to come out of that water again. I believe that spiritual chains will be broken off. Generational curses will be done. And today, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I'm ready. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And without shame, without fear, if there's one person, this is all worth it, right? Come on, if there's one person, this is all worth it. If there's 10 people, I'm going to lose my cotton-picking mind. If it's 20 people, I'm jumping in there with a $2,000 microphone on my butt. (laughs) Today's my day, man. I'm not running anymore. I'm giving my life to God. If that's you, raise your hand on three. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand all over the field. Yes, look at them all over the field. All over the field. I love it. Today's the day. Today's the day. Why wait till tomorrow? Say, what was the day you got right with God? I was under an American flag. Everybody's wearing red, white, and blue, right? I got saved at the lake. Today, if you have never been baptized in water, I want to invite you to be baptized. Physical, soul, and spiritual experience where everything becomes new. I promise your hairdo will become new. Your body temperature will become new. But your life will become new. That's what it's all about. Life change. Jesus wants to change us from the inside out. And so if you're going to be baptized today, stand your feet and come right over here. We're going to line up. Chris Dobek's going to help you out. Look at Let's give them a hand as they come today. Today... They're getting baptized in water. I love it. Somebody say, listen, I was baptized. I was like, a, I was a baby when I got baptized. That's awesome. But, but understand this. In Scripture, when people are baptized, there are people that know what they've done is right and wrong, and they make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. I'm not negating your childhood baptism. I'm just saying, as I look at Scripture, there's evidence that's pretty clearly saying that people, people as adults make a decision like this one. And so the band is coming back, and uh, we're going to worship for a while. I don't mind the paparazzi. If you guys want cameras and things, that's cool. Just do this. Don't block the view. Watch from kind of the sides and the back, but don't block everybody out here. And we're going to worship the Lord for a while, and we're going to start dunking folks.